0: awesome thank you hi everybody i was thinking it's so nice to be called wonderful and amazing isn't it i feel like i need like dave on like my alarm clock in the morning just to wake up and just hear his voice going to be wonderful and amazing but yeah though um welcome everybody we're going to be um carrying on our study in the book of mark um um, so if you could open up your bibles and turn to mark chapter 4 um uh, verses 35 to 41 which is where we're going to be based today Um, hopefully everyone's been enjoying our study of Mark so far. It's been, um, Mark is, you know, straight talking, uh, punchy, and there's been lots and lots that we've been able to squeeze out um, uh, so far in in, in our studies, um, and and so hopefully we'll be able to see even more today. So um, I'm going to be reading from uh, the NIV, um, and the passage is titled, Jesus Calms the Storm. the most famous that Jesus uh, has performed in scripture Um, and I mean for people like myself that have grown up in church I I don't think I could actually count how many times I've heard this story or this miracle and it's of great importance you know we're reading it in the book of Mark it's in also in the books of Luke and Matthew so um, whenever we see a miracle repeated through scripture and dwell on by our faith we have to think why why is it that this particular miracle is so important why is it so important if we believe that, that what we believe as christians is that god has inspired scripture and so for god to inspire the the authors of the word of god the bible to write this miracle in not one, not two, but three times there's something actually very important about this particular miracle. Um, and so for us the, the job is to try and uncover and discover why is this miracle so important? And um, you, know, you, can kind of, you might ask yourself some questions and thinking why is it so important? Is it important um, because it's a pretty neat trick? to be able to tell the winds and the waves to stop. I know certainly this afternoon when I was driving down here, I thought it'd be pretty handy if I could tell the rain to stop right now. It's a bit of a pain. And I was waving off my neighbours, they were going on a walk. And when I was driving down here, I I look forward to hearing how that went because it was probably very soggy and wet. Um, So, but it's probably more than that. Is it to give us a detailed insight into weather patterns in first century uh, Middle East? Uh, again probably not and and I think when we try to unpick within church why this miracle is important very often it's dwelt on that the idea behind this being in scripture is that um, Jesus is there for us through our storms and, and, and in life and that's why it's important and this is true incredibly true the truest of true things but I don't believe that this is the most important message from this miracle. The reason why this miracle is here in scripture and the reason why we're gonna speak about it today is because this miracle demonstrates that Jesus Christ is God. We've studied over the last few weeks in Mark, um, particularly you know, Graham's teaching uh, through the parables so far in Mark chapter four, Jesus unpacking the kingdom of God and what that is. And in this miracle today, We're understanding why Jesus has the authority to explain what the kingdom of God is. Because he's God. Um, We're understanding why, um, you know, in the previous chapters of Mark 2 and 3, we've seen the Pharisees question, who does he think he is? We've seen his family question, who does he think he is? And here we see at the end of this chapter more evidence exactly who he is. Not just another bloke from Israel. He is the Son of God, and God himself. Uh, It's such an emphatic response. And in these verses we've read, we see the disciples recognizing this um, afresh. And my hope is that, you know, in our our time today, looking at this, you also will be able to recognize afresh who Jesus Christ is. Um, So if you cast your mind back a few weeks, um, Mark sets the scene in chapter 4, with Jesus um, teaching the crowds from a boat on the Sea of Galilee, um, we have been studying this chapter for two months. Um, Jesus Christ did taught this chapter in a day, so I like to think that when Jesus, when when Mark sorry starts the verse that day, it kind of emphasises really exactly how much Jesus has packed into that day. There's good reason for him to be tired at this point. And he starts the passage with the words, let's go over to the other side. Um, And again, I want to ask you to think again about some of the sermons that we've heard so far. In in, in verse 23 of chapter 4, Jesus says, "Um, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Um, Consider carefully what you hear. And so the disciples have spent the entire day hearing what Jesus has to say. But their response to Jesus that, we've started, that we see in these verses suggests that they haven't really mastered listening to him. Since the beginning of the book of Mark, and as we've been studying through Mark, we have seen Jesus do the following things. He has driven out multiple demons. They're, those demons themselves have named Jesus as the Son of God and as the Holy One of God. He has healed the leper. He has healed one of the disciples' mothers. He has made a lame man walk. He has healed a shriveled hand. He has healed so many people that Mark actually can't even name all the healings that he's done. He just puts them down as various diseases because he just can't say them all. Um, So to me, there is um, significant evidence there to suggest that what Jesus says goes. Um, And logic would dictate that the people that see Jesus do all of these things would believe him when he says something as simple as let's go to the other side of the lake on a boat Um, what we know about Jesus already from studying this book suggests that there is no reason for us and for the disciples to doubt whether this would be possible but however what we read about today um, suggests that that doubt is there somehow and the disciples here are representative of us How often do we hear God say things, but we just let them wash over us? Um, We sit here on a Sunday and and hear wonderful things said um, about who we are as Christians and who our identity is, but we just let them wash over us and walk out of the service the same. Um, You might have had somebody prophesy or pray over you, but you forget what they even said. I know I'm guilty of that sometimes. The truth is God has promises and plans for each and every one of us. And if he says he's going to do it, it's going to happen. You might not like the method. I mean, the disciples clearly don't in this particular passage that we're studying today. But one way or another, what God has said about your life is going to come to pass. Uh, There aren't many people these days whose word we can completely rely on. Um, the opposite is true for God. Everything that He says, we can rely on. You might feel down or disheartened at the moment. Go and have a look at your old notepads, or you know, I know some of you you might keep your in your Bible. You, you highlight verses that are special or important to you. Have a look at those things. Remember what it is that God has said about you. Even if you can't think immediately on. The things, that Peter, the things that God has said, open up his word, read his scripture every day. There are promises that tell you and assure you who you are and who what your identity is as a child of God. And in that way, when you are sure of what God has said to you and you hold on to what God has said to you, um, you can be certain that like the disciples, you will get to the other side of whatever storm and difficulty that you are having in life. Let's take another look at verse 36 of chapter 4. I'll read it again. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. And I've spent a little bit of time so far looking at what the disciples could have done better, shall we say. Um, but let's also dwell on what they did quite well, I think. Um, and when I was preparing for um, this Sunday, Um, these words just as he was they really jumped out at me um, and they stood out to me in a couple of ways the first is that it implies to me that Jesus asked the disciples to get the boat going and they just got on with it and did it basically they didn't they didn't wait for him to you know get a new garment on or a new gown on they just got on with it and did it Uh, They didn't say, Jesus, it's been a really long day. You've been talking about these parables and seeds, and talking about seeds is making me quite hungry. Can we have something to eat before we... No, they just got on with it. They just did what Jesus asked. And I I spoke about listening to God and hanging on to his promises and what he has said to us. But how often do we um, obey God without hesitation, without a ready-made excuse, um, let me assure you, at least in my experience, there is always a reason to procrastinate or delay on what God has asked you to do. We're quick to latch on words of what God can do for us and the promises that I've mentioned. But are we as speedy and quick um, to act on what God asks us to do? Um, are we ready and available when God calls us to action? We need to be ready and able to act um, when Jesus asks us to do things and to act on his commands. No excuses. Let's be ready and available. That's why it brings you so much heart when you hear testimonies like uh, goths, um, you know, texturing the week on Thursdays and the evangelism that's going, people that are going out and doing what God commands without hesitation within this church. Let's be ready to act when Jesus calls on us. The other aspect as well in terms of, you know, just as he was, it just made me think, you know, what it might have looked at. Like I said, Jesus has had a long day. He's in the Middle East. It's not cold um, and wet. It can be wet, um, but it's warm, okay? Uh, 2,000 years ago, he's been standing on the side of a boat, um, which has been splashing and waves and warm temperature. He probably doesn't, you know, look his best at this moment in time. He might, he might be quite sweaty, I can imagine. So just as he was, actually takes another, has another layer to it, really. Yet, even still, the, you know, as I said, the disciples are not asking Jesus to freshen up. They're taking him just as he is. And I've spoken about um, our evangelistic outreach in the church. And we've been focusing on that in recent weeks. And sometimes we can find it hard to tell people about Jesus. Because we're not ready to speak about him just as he is um, we can be scared that if we tell people who Jesus is they couldn't possibly take him as he is we can be worried that you know uh, he's, that's a bit awkward really it's not very politically correct what Jesus said in that particular verse it's maybe not quite as palatable uh, for the 21st century ears as we would want it to be Um uh, but uh, we might try to repackage Jesus as a wise teacher, as an example of a good person, a a right idea about how to live our lives. But scripture teaches us that he's so much more than that. Uh, It teaches us that he is the son of God and the righteous judge of all creation. That is how he is. And like the disciples, we should be ready to take him as he is in our when we're speaking to others about him we should be able to present him as he is in the book of corinthians paul calls calls the gospel foolishness in the eyes of the world um and that is how it might be perceived sometimes um but we need to be prepared to, to look foolish sometimes in presenting jesus as he is um and be encouraged by, like I said, I'm encouraged by the testimonies that I hear. I'm encouraged by uh, you know, Graham's sermons that we've heard over the last few weeks in terms of knowing that actually our role is just simply to sow the seed, and to have that conversation, and trust God to do the rest. We're we'll just looking again at verse 37. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, "'Teacher, don't you care if we drown.'" So I've spoken about the disciples being representative of us. And um, When I read these verses, I probably could narrow it down a lot more than that. I think the disciples are representative of me. Um, I have, you know, I've got, I know quite a few people here. Um, I've got my sister here, I've got my wife here, so they can testify th- about my fears and phobias. Okay, um, So you can ask them at the end if you don't believe me. Um, I like nature to look at, but being honest, I like my 21st century comfort. So I like, I like looking out of a window and seeing a sunrise or seeing a sunset, but if you give me like the option, and, and my wife has bullied me a couple of times into a tent, um, but if you give me the option between a tent and a hotel, I'm picking a hotel, 11 times out of 10, yeah? 11, all, all every day of the week, I have to be honest. And, and, and I'm, I'm not great with heights either. Um, I mean, if you, can, <laughs> if you have a look at Joe's phone and our family photos um, on holiday, all the pictures um, that are like near a high cliff or anything like that have Joe and the kids in. I'm the one volunteering to take the photos rather than standing near the edge. Um, (laughs) My daughter is four, she definitely swims better than me, 100%, it's not an exaggeration, she does. So if you create a scenario where we're on the Sea of Galilee, uh, which has waves that are known to go as high as 10 feet tall, um, in a storm, it's quite hard to think of a scenario that, is, that I am less suited to, okay? So when I say that the, the disciples are representative of us, they're dis- representative of me in this scenario, I would be scared, okay? Um, the only word that I actually feel comfortable with in these verses is, is the word cushion. Everything else I'm thinking, no, this is not for me. Absolutely not for me. And so I'm quite comfortable saying I'm not getting up on my high horse talking about the disciples in this passage, Yeah. Uh, particularly when they turn around and say, Jesus, don't you care if we drown? And yeah, I've spoken a little while you know, from now, my dislikes and phobias. But on a serious level, confrontation with turmoil, t- turmoil and pain and dangerous scenarios can make us ask God hard questions. Life on this earth, let's be honest, it's painful a lot of the time. And there will be times when we respond to Jesus' command, when he tells us, you know, just get on with it and get the boat going, and, we, we, and we do it, you know. We do it, we get the boat going, we do it, exactly what he asks us to do. Um, and yet still, everything goes wrong. We do everything right, but it feels like God's asleep, uh, and it feels like he doesn't care. Turn with me to Psalm uh, chapter 88. Um, We're going to read a few verses from verse 6. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day, I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness and destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness, your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? You see, the psalmist here, like the disciples, is overwhelmed by the waves. Importantly, they're not just any waves. The waves are from God. It's quite clear who this psalmist is pointing the finger at. Um, and if you read the entire psalm in its, in its entirety there isn't a happy ending to this psalm you know, there, are, there are laments and, and psalms that are similar elsewhere but they end with, with praise or with something good said about God but not this psalm um, and I find Psalm 88 so important because it teaches us that there is nothing wrong with sharing with God how we really feel in our storms in the darkest moments um, be honest when you pray in our passage today Jesus does not run around to his disciples and say how dare you say I don't care his rebuke is to the wind first not to his disciples for what they said Jesus himself cries on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I want us as a church to be able to pray honestly and have an open, proper relationship with God. He is big enough to hear how you really feel. Don't pray with the attitude that nothing is wrong. It's okay to say to God, I'm scared. Where are you? Because we believe in a God who lives and is able to answer that question faith is not blindly ignoring the storm it's not sitting on the boat with your fingers in your ears and your eyes closed acting like a storm isn't happening faith is looking the storm, looking directly at it for what it is and saying seeing the winds and the waves but believing that the God who created the winds and the waves is greater and the God that said let's go to the other side despite the winds and the waves that are around you because they are there is going to make sure that you get to the other side no matter how dark and perilous things may seem so let's reflect on that let's pray honestly and openly I know that there are a number of people in this church going through difficult circumstances of all shapes and forms let's pray honestly and truthfully to our God, a God that hears and a God that responds. And we see the response in verse 39 of Mark chapter 4. He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And this is, this is the knob of what we have to look at today. In verse 39 we get right to the heart of the matter and what I said from the outset which is that Jesus Christ is God. We've been trying our best to put ourselves into the the shoes of the disciples this afternoon, Um, and and let's try and do it again. Um, The the, the sea in the Old Testament, um, it represents chaos and evil. In Genesis 1, right at the outset of the Bible, we see um, God create order out of chaos, um, and his spirit hover over the waters. In the book of Exodus, we see God command uh, Exercises command over water by splitting the Red Sea. In many of the Old Testament books, those are the prophets, yeah, particularly Isaiah, the book of Job, Proverbs, and Psalms, we see God's power illustrated through authority over the sea. In Psalm 93, um, verse 3 and 4, I'll read them quickly for you. This is what they say the, the seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. As, as humans, we are entirely at the whim of nature. You don't have to, you, you know, I have a trivial example with my, my neighbors going off on their walk um, today, but none of us have to think uh, of uh, too hard for examples about how we are vulnerable to nature. I mean, th- th- this week, you know, the, the, the volcano eruption in Palma, for example, people you know, uh, living their lives happy in their homes and actually just almost like the flick of a switch. The you know, powers of nature, they are, their lives turned entirely upside down. So if we, you know, 2,000 years later, with you know, satellites in space and iPhones and every gadget that you can think of are still just as vulnerable to nature, how much truer would this have been for the writers of the Old Testament and the disciples? Um, and this is what gives way to the idea that God's existence outside the natural realm his ability to live outside those vulnerabilities that are part of our day-to-day existence are what set him apart as God and as different to us. That's what makes him supernatural, rather than natural like us. We can't tame the sea. We can't tame the waters. So when we think of a scenario where somebody, which is what we read about in these verses, is able to still the waters and the winds... It becomes clear that Jesus doing so is more than just your average miracle. This is Jesus doing something that only God himself can do. It was clear to the disciples and it should be equally clear to us. Jesus Christ is God. Um, The gospel that is what has brought us all here today is here to celebrate his victory over chaos his victory over evil and his reign where jesus reigns is characterized by the absence of chaos and evil revelations chapter 21 uh, right at the end of the bible um, describes um, what the complete picture of jesus victory will look like in the end Um, i'll just read verse one quickly Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I I don't think this means there's no water in heaven. I think this is representative of the fact there is no longer any chaos or evil. Knowledge of Jesus and knowledge of who God is is characterized by a stillness. God is a God of order, he's not a God of chaos. If your life is chaotic, and trust me, many of us can often feel like it is, pray for his stillness. Psalm 46 verse 10, many of us know off by heart. Be still and know that he is God. I pray that you come to know God for who he is. and Whatever difficulties you are having in your life at the moment, they, much like the winds and the waves in this verse, become subject to his command. I pray that you all experience his peace today. And finally, verse 40 and 41, we'll look at them again, of Mark chapter four. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And I find this in itself quite, I I hope, and maybe you do too in that the disciples wake Jesus up to help them, he helps them and they're like what? what's going on? and moreover they, they are terrified you know, if I have something bad happening in my life and it stops I don't feel terrified I feel relieved, I feel happy I feel better again but they feel terrified. The, the books of, of Luke and Matthew, when they recount this miracle, they use the word "amazed," and that's maybe an easier uh, word for us to relate to or to put context to. That why somebody would be amazed, but terrified. Why? Why would they be terrified? And for me, I think they're terrified because they realise that Jesus isn't like them. They realise again that he is God Um, they've spent this passage acutely aware of how mortal they are and how vulnerable they are to nature but in front of them in the man that tells the winds and waves to stop and they do they see the immortal they see somebody that is not vulnerable they see the supernatural and this is something to be fearful fearful of As human beings, we spend most of our lives fearing the wrong things. Um, The the top phobia in my house at the moment is spiders. I spend a lot of my time chasing spiders around my house uh, because of my wife and kids. I spend probably a lot of Sunday afternoon trying to collect conkers in the belief that this is probably going to help get rid of the spiders in my... Oh, this shaking your head there. No, it doesn't work. Okay. Wasted my time. <laughs> but, but separate to that, we all have fears. And as I say, we spend a lot of our lives fearing the wrong things. Fearing what people think of us, fearing illness, um, Many of us, definitely for me, I, I spent a lot of this week with petrol anxiety, fearing that my, my tank would run out and I'd be left in the middle of nowhere. Um, and the, the truth is, our society is the way that it is because we do not fear God. We pick the wrong thing to fear. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Turn on Sky News. It's chaotic. <laughs> Watch BBC News. It, describes, it demonstrates a world that is lacking in order because it lacks wisdom. And we lack wisdom because we lack the fear of the Lord. It is easy to talk about a God that makes the storms go away so that we can feel better. It's much simpler to say that. It's not the point of why the storms go away. God stills the storms. He brings peace. Not that we can feel comfortable on our couches. It is so that we can know who he really is. It's so that we can know that he is a God that is holy. And the truth is, if we see God for who he is, for who he really is, and we remember who we are, when we see his perfection, his righteousness, his justice, and we remember who we are as human beings, being terrified, at least initially, is by the, the minimum of the correct response that we should be able to offer but we thank God we thank God because it doesn't end there Jesus Christ didn't leave his disciples terrified he doesn't leave us terrified through his death and resurrection it means that if we repent of our sins and have the faith that Jesus calls on his disciples to have today in the passage today we rather than remaining terrified get to enter his presence with boldness um if you don't know who jesus really is i pray that god opens your heart to take him as he is today however this is the first time or the thousandth time you've heard this miracle jesus is ready to do the same in your life as he did on the waters in galilee all those years ago He's ready to bring order to your chaos and peace to your life. I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this miracle recounted in Scripture. We thank you um, because it, it details clearly who you are. And we thank you for the opportunity to know who you are because it provides us comfort in so many ways. It provides us comfort for the future. It provides us comfort in the here and now in knowing that the God of all creation cares for us. Even when it feels like you're asleep, you do not hear. You love us and you provide a stillness and a peace beyond what we can comprehend. I thank you for each and every one of us here um, today. I pray that those that don't know you will come to know you again. I pray that those that do know you will come to know afresh your peace and your calm. In your name we pray. Amen.